John 14, 23. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home in them. I'm using Debbie's mic. Number two. Okay, good deal. Let's read that together. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will obey them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Amen. Open your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 22. Probably like most of you, I enjoy hearing from my kids on my birthday, and I enjoy hearing from them on Father's Day, but it is particularly sweet whenever they just contact me either by text uh, or by phone call, by letter, just out of the blue. Parents say amen? Yeah, it is just sweet. This last week, my uh, daughter Lauren sent me a message. Hi, Dad. Thinking about you this afternoon, just wanted to say I love you. Everybody say, oh, oh. <laughs> oh. It melted me. I'm telling you, sometimes God nudges your kids to send those kinds of things at just the right time, doesn't he? And that one came at just the right time this week. It was timely because I um, was wanting to contact Lauren anyway because I had heard from mom in a conversation that they had had that she'd had a pretty tough week and she'd handled it very, very well. Um, The atmosphere at her office had gotten kind of toxic and uh, her boss was the one pretty much responsible for it. And as one of the team leaders, she knew it it had kind of fallen to her to say something to him about it. Um, that doesn't come easily for my daughter. doesn't come easily for any of us, but it really doesn't come easy for her. So in her weekly one-on-one, she asked him if he had noticed uh, how the atmosphere was. And he said, well, maybe a little. And then she had the courage to say, can I, can I tell you why I think it is? And she did. And she told mom that after that, the rest of the week was noticeably lighter and just a lot easier to come and do their work at where she works. She works for a place called Soccer Shots. So I was, I was wanting to call and tell her how proud I was as a dad, and so I um, sent her a text. That made my day. Love you back. Mom told me about the interaction with your boss, and I'm proud of your courage. It matters for all the staff. I've been praying for you every day. Can't wait to come see you. And I sent that text, if you'll notice up on top, to Ty Taylor. (laughs) Now, it gets even funnier when you think about who Ty Taylor's boss is, all right? (laughs) Head coach David Jones, who, by the way, goes to our church, yeah. So Ty sends me back a text. I didn't take the time to put it up there. I don't think this was for me. (laughs) And the very last text I sent him was, no, it was not, but I do love you too. (laughs) When you're aiming to tell somebody you love them, it's wise to make sure of your target. (laughs) That's especially true in regards to daughters, but it's also true in regards to God. When you're aiming to tell somebody you love them, make sure of your target. Yes, that's true in regards to daughters, but it's also true in regards to God. 
We're talking about targets today. Because we are aiming as a church at a very specific target. This is, this is our mission statement that's up there. We've been talking about that for the last couple of weeks. That's our target as a church, not because I came up with it or because our elders came up with it, but because God has helped us come up with it. This is the statement, and we are learning it, we're getting to know it, so I'm going to say it, and I'd like for you to say it along with me. Here we go. At, at Curveville Church, we are leading ordinary people into an extraordinary relationship with Jesus. One more time. At Curveville Church of Christ, we are leading ordinary people into an extraordinary Now, how we intend to get there is what we're calling our mission steps. And that is by loving God, loving our neighbor, and living life to the full. It's one thing to have a target, but it's another to try to determine and try to figure out how in the world are we going to hit that target? How are we going to make it to wherever it is we're trying to go? If we're here and there's a place we're trying to move, how do we move to there? And... These three things that we've listed here really, again, are not our creation. They're just simply part of Scripture that comes out of two greats. The first one comes out of the Great Commission found in Matthew chapter 28, 19. And this second one comes out of the greatest command found in Matthew chapter 22. In Jesus' last days on the earth, He's struggling like we have been struggling in this last week. There's been some events that have occurred that have taken our breath away as a church. And we're doing our best to navigate those. And as Jesus is staring in the face a series of events that are going to absolutely take his life away, he's trying his best to try and and navigate these last few days with the disciples and leave with them something that they will remember Even when, excuse me, all hell literally breaks loose on this earth. And it does. As a matter of fact, in the last days of his ministry, it's safe to say that even though he had reached rock star status in this world, Jesus was still trying to find a way to let his disciples know what his coming was all about, what he was all about. And because he had reached such rock star status in this world, um, there were those who considered themselves rock stars by their own right with their knowledge of Scripture that came up and challenged him. That wanted to see just really how much this guy knew. And Matthew records a day in Matthew chapter 22 in which he's talking to some folks about taxes. He's talking to some folks about marriage. And the answers that he's giving them leave them speechless. John the Apostle says there was no one who spoke like him. But in Matthew's remembering of Jesus' time in this particular moment of his life, he remembers the crowd just being absolutely astonished. When the crowds heard his responses about marriage, when the crowds heard his responses about taxes, they were amazed. They've never heard someone respond like this with such truth and such honesty and such sincerity. And there was a guy there that day that Matthew records was an expert in all things law. And he asked the question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
Love him with all your soul. Love him with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. I'd like to ask you to pray with me, please, as we start to unpack this. Father, wow, there are just some days stepping into this pulpit. I... uh, I'm at my best, and then there's some days that I'm not. And you know this is one of the latter. Um, Just tired. Our church is a little bit weary. Uh, We have needed to come and sing these songs to you this morning. We've needed to look love in the face with our imaginations and our hearts and to tell you we need you. And we thank you, Father, truly for bringing Jeff here to help us do that today. And I'm asking you, through another weak vessel, would you please work through me today to point us towards what it means to love you and to be loved by you. We have heard this particular text over and over and over again. But would you make it afresh and make it new for us today? We really would like to know better how to have an extraordinary relationship in love with you. And the metaphor that Jeff reminded us of this morning of husband and wife, that's a, that's a close, intimate relational metaphor and we're asking you this morning to help unpack that level of love in us because you are worthy of every ounce for we ask us in jesus name and everyone said amen i think most of you know i shoot a bow i love archery i have now for over 30 years and i love to to shoot a bow for hunting purposes yes but i just love archery period i just love to shoot a bow As a matter of fact, Gil will tell you two, three, sometimes five times a week, I'll be out in the backyard. We've got about 40 yards down below our house where I can can get my archery equipment, go downstairs and and shoot. And it just relaxes me. It enables me to to just spend some time coming back from a difficult day maybe at the office and just unwinding a little bit. But I've got to tell you, there's a very specific reason why I love shooting, particularly a bow. It's because I can get instant feedback instant when i pull back the string and i i focus on the the mark on the target and i release it and i let it go in an instant i can know whether i've hit the mark or not i'm involved in a in a job that is very relational by nature either trying to put together words to share in this relationship that we have as a church family and me getting to be the spokesman for that for a lot of uh, occasions Greg comes alongside, so does Ricky, so do some others, but, but most of the time I'm here preparing something to share with you that truly will help us love this God more, understand His love better. And some days, I've got to be honest, I don't know how well I've hit the mark. I won't know how well, honestly, I've hit the mark with you when I've stepped down here, even when I'm at my best, even when, when I can sense God's presence flowing through me and speaking through me in a way that, that's just bigger than I am. I still, I'm not sure how how much of an impact it's had. But I'll tell you what, when I step here, pull the bow back, release the arrow, and let it fly, in an instant, I can tell whether I've hit the mark or not. I don't really need anybody's opinion about it. And and when I go to pull the arrow and and I'm not on target, it really isn't that difficult for me to usually figure out how to get closer to the mark. It's just sweet. Now, in the city limits, you can't do that with a gun or your neighbors are going to report you. But I can do that with a bow because it's safe where I live. And so I do very, very regularly. 
my question this morning is, how do you know you hit the mark with your wife? How do you know you're hitting the mark with your children? How do you know you're hitting the mark with your employer? How do you know? How do you know you're hitting the mark with God? Now that's a question. How in the world do you know if, if God is pleased with the love that I think I'm giving Him or the love that I'm trying to give Him? And part of that is what we want to look at this morning. I think most of us are probably doing better than we think. But probably there's a few of us who came in this morning who are not doing near as well as we think. And I think this lesson is going to help all of us think a little bit more clearly about how we're doing in hitting that mark with God. In our small town, there's a group of people who really are indifferent to God. They don't give a rip about what He thinks. They don't really care about eternity. They don't really care about... Uh, connecting him to anything of, that's a part of their life. They are the star of their show. Not so with us. We believe we've got a bit part in this show. It's his story, and it's all about him, and, and we've been given a role to play that's a key role, but we're just a part of this story. But there are those that are part of our town right now, they're the story. Very indifferent to God. At, they want nothing to do with him by choice. That's a small minority, I think. But then I think there's the larger minority, as we talked a couple of weeks ago, who are still operating on the scale system that when it comes to whether they're hitting the mark with God or not, you know, they're, they're close. They're not far off. I mean, because the, the good in them outweighs the bad. And so as far as they're concerned, their relationship with God, well, it may not be tight, but I mean, it's, it's, it's right in there. They're not a bad person. They, they, they really want to be good. But that's the scale system we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And, and that's part of why we're on mission. Because the scale system's a lie, isn't it? It's a lie. Your good will never outweigh the bad in your life. And that's why, that's why there had to be a cross. Because the only one who was ever good came and got on one of these and said, if you'll give me your bad, I'll trade you my righteousness. And so... God makes it clear through His Word. If anybody's interested, the scale system doesn't work when it comes to spending eternity with the Father. The only system that works is the cross system. That's the only one. And I think, I think there's a lot of folks out there who, who have heard about that, who have um, maybe considered it a little bit, but they really haven't seen how much that cross system matters in people's lives more so than the scale system or maybe even more so than no system. And that's why we as an eldership have determined we've got to do a better job. He, he deserves that because of the love that he's poured into our lives, but, but because he's called us on mission. He's called us to lead ordinary people into an extraordinary relationship with him. By loving God and loving neighbor and living life, he's called us to those things. We're taking specific, dead aim and how we can love him better. Because we believe that that makes a difference in our world. And you do too, don't you? We're the we in this, right? Well, I'm going to talk a little bit about that this morning. God doesn't leave us in the dark about what this target is. And I'm grateful for that because you know He could. He really could. He didn't have to give you the Scriptures. But He decided to give you His story to let you know exactly what this mark is in His life. And I love Him for that. Because sometimes don't you feel like you're in the dark with some of the relationships you have about whether or not that you're hitting the target or not? A boss can leave you in the dark on that. 
a, a, a wife, a husband, a child could leave you in the dark. How am I doing in this relationship? <laughs> That's difficult for me. But God's not going to be difficult. Loving Him's complicated. We'll talk about that in a minute. But God's not going to be difficult when He leaves you in the dark about what it means to choose to love Him back. He tells the lawyer, here's a couple of aiming points. I want you to love God, not just any way you want, but with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. Those three things. Let's say heart together. Heart, and then soul, and then mind. That's the way God wants you to love Him, with all your heart, soul, and mind. Now, for me, that translates with my passion, with my person, and my priority. With my passion, with my person, and my priority. Now, when you, when you love something with all your heart, that's not really hard to define, is it? We don't need to look at the Greek words and all that. Uh, Jesus would say this, they worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their heart's not in it. You know what it means to do something with your heart? Some of you all ago were singing, with your heart. I mean, you were laying it back, and whether your hands were raised or not, you were, you were singing out because you were into it. Your heart was into it, and some of you just weren't. I don't want to chastise you for that. You're just, but you just know, you know whether your heart's in it or not. That's your passion. God says, I'd like for you, when you think about loving me, to love me that way. And then the soul, that's kind of an iffy one, isn't it? It's the word nephesh. It's that breath, all right, that God breathed into us in, in the very beginning with Genesis. And it's that breath that he breathes into us when we have our Genesis and come into this world. <gasps> When we take that first breath, life really kicks into another gear, doesn't it? And it doesn't stop until the breath's gone. But how do you love him with that? (laughs) How do you love him with your soul? It's that person. It's your personality. It's you. God wants you. Have you ever been talking to a friend or or you've been talking to your wife or you've been on the job site and maybe your boss is talking and, and y'all are having a conversation but you aren't in it? Raise your hand if you've done that. Okay, the rest of you are liars <laughs> or lazy. We've all done that. You're in, here's, here's how I like to think of it. You're at the moment but you're not in it. Have you done that? You've been at the moment but you're not in the moment. You're somewhere else. And God says, I want you in the moment. When you're loving me. And then the last one, priority, that's your mind. That's a decision. That's giving it some thought. My wife loves it when I decide to love her with my heart. She loves it when I'm all in. But she'd like for me to give a little thought to it. That's helpful. Remember the racing car incident in our lives? Yeah, not going to revisit that one. I wasn't thinking much in that moment. Really, I was thinking of me more so than I was of her. And it was so overwhelming in that time for her 50th birthday that I did something really for me instead of her. And she didn't feel very loved. God wants me to love him with my passion. He wants me to love him with my person. And he wants me to love with a priority to it, all right? And here's the last thing. This isn't in there, but I want you to know this. It's possible. Do you know anybody that's just almost impossible to love? I've, I know, I've got a list. If you need me to share some with you, I'll, I'll let you know. God's not one of them. Complicated, yes, because this is a a relationship by faith, isn't it? It's not by, what's the word? Sight. 
I, I can't see him. First Timothy 6 says he is an invisible God. And his radiance can't even be looked upon without dying. No one has seen him, Paul writes to Timothy. It's a difficult relationship to love somebody you can't see. God understands that. Please know that. He understands that loving him is difficult, that it's complicated. But also please understand this. He wants you to know it's possible. He's revealed exactly how possible it is. And here's how he's done it. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. He says it again. If anybody loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him, and we will make our home with him. He says it again. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my what? Love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. He says, by this we can be sure that we have come to know him. If we keep his what? Commands. And then one more time. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And if you think you know his commandments and they're burdensome, you don't know God's commandments. Because these commandments are not burdensome. They're life. No, they're love. Their love. God's loving you by revealing to you how you can love Him back. But what He's really saying is, here's how you learn to live. And I want you to get you a big old spoonful of it. Commandment number one. If you love me and anyone ever suggests or tempts or argues with you to have as your God or your Lord or your sovereign or your life guide... Anybody other than the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jesus Christ. I want you to make that personal and with passion. You make it a priority to protect yourself from that lie. And the church said, Amen. If you love me, God says, number two, take me seriously. If there's ever a time that you realize that something either man-made, a car, a house, a career, a political agenda, a drug, a hobby, you name it. If at any time you feel it becoming a competitor to your allegiance and devotion to me, if it begins to rule your life and call the shots and not me, it has become an idol. And I am asking you to examine yourself personally and to make it a passionate priority to drop whatever that idol is right there and if needed, run away from the lie that it promises, and that is that life is there. It's not there. It's in me. And the church said, God says, if you love me, there's a variety of words at your disposal to use, whatever the language. The options are almost limitless. So if you're tempted to use the name of God in vain, in a way that's anything but honoring, in a way that's anything but respectful, will you personally... Will you passionately, with priority, stop right there and choose another word? Choose another phrase, choose another expletive, and express yourself. Your God deserves your utmost reverence and respect. And the church said, if you love me, do yourself a favor. Don't let work rule your life. Will you personally make it a passion? Will you personally make it a priority to work just six days no more? 
You go ahead and teach and coach and raise children and make furniture, but for heaven's sakes, take a day off, all right? I mean rest. Why? To remember how blessed your life is. To take time to focus and be grateful for what you have, not what you don't. Now, if you're living under the constant pressure to make just one more dollar, climb one more ladder, hoping that somewhere down the road you'll finally have made enough money to take it easy, it will kill you or your family or your joy for living. I talked to a young dad this last week. I met him two weeks ago. He said, I haven't seen my daughter in almost three months. I leave when she's asleep and I come home when she's asleep. And I said, brother, that's not loving your family. It most certainly isn't loving God. He expects you to do better. Now, you can exist without a Sabbath in your life, but you cannot live without it. And the church said, God says, if you love me, determine now to honor your parents now, right now. Show your mom and dad how grateful you are for their efforts to raise you as Mike and the mechanics sing in the living years. Do it now. Do it while they're alive, not at their funeral. Don't wait till you're scattering their ashes or lowering them into the ground. Let them know how proud you are of them now in the living years. How blessed you are that they've given up so much for you to have so much. You make that personal, you make it a priority, and you tell them with passion, all right? Tell them with passion. And the church said, God says, if you love me, determine now that you will not let anger master you to the point that you're ready to kill somebody and you act on it. Don't kill them with your hands and don't kill them with your mouth. Just do not kill, period. Folks, I believe there's more relational murders committed every day than there are actual physical murders. I only wish you could see the death that's ebbing out of those closest to us when we thrust our swords into their hearts with our words. Solomon said it this way, life and death are in the tongue. Which one are you most known for? Will you make it a personal priority, God says, that you speak encouragement into people rather than discouragement? When you do so with a passion, I love it. I love it. I love it when you build people up, not tear them down. Don't kill them with your words or with your actions. And the church said, if you love me, number seven, please respect the sacredness of the marriage covenant. Please determine now that when you say for better or for worse, you mean it. Not until something better comes along. Not because your needs aren't getting met. Determine now, please, to be a person of courage and love. That's what you need from a mate. You give that as a mate regardless. Make this a personal priority and do it with passion. And it will be good for you. And the church said. Number eight. Do yourself a favor, God says. If you really want to know how to love me, I need for you to make this a personal priority. And that is that you not take what doesn't belong to you. All right? If it's good for you, I'll bless you with it. If you need to have it, I'll make sure it's yours. I'm a father. You're my child. I promise you, it'll be yours. I love you that much. Love me back enough not to take what I've given to other people, okay? 
follow the other life principles of integrity and work and rest. And your dad will make sure that you have it. If I didn't spare giving you my own son, do you think there's anything I'd hold back from you, says the Lord? There's not a thing. If I would go there for you, is there any place I wouldn't go to make sure that you had what you need? And sometimes even all that you desire. If you love me, you won't take anything that doesn't belong to you. And the church said, and number nine, God says, if you love me, please, not for any reason. Not for any reason. Bury your friends or even your enemies with a lie. I am a God of truth and I want you to be a people of truth. And if you love me, you will tell the truth. Please make that personal. Please make it a priority. Please do it with passion. Because living with the truth of my mistakes and living with the failures is hard enough. And it is for those around you. They don't need us exaggerating. They don't need us making up lies about them that just simply aren't true. Life's hard enough with the truth, isn't it? It's hard enough to just live with the reality of my life than some false reality that someone's making up on Twitter or on the emails or just in conversations. This year is not going to close, tragically, without another teen taking their life because somebody in social media destroyed them. And destroyed their character to a point they didn't feel like they could make it anymore. God says, please, would you take this personal? Will you make this a priority? Will you do it with passion? Be a people of truth. And the church said. And then one last priority. God says, will you, will you, your person, will you make this personal? Will you commit to it with passion? Will you make it a priority in your life that you will not even covet what belongs to somebody else? It is a breeding ground for self-pity. It is a breeding ground for theft. It is a breeding ground for stress. It is a breeding ground for working insane hours. It is a breeding ground for addictions and taking risky shortcuts to have things that you don't have the money for and will put you under a mountain of debt. God says, please, predetermine the day that if you want something, that you'll work hard and responsibly to get it. You'll talk to me about it, trusting that if it's good for you, I'm your dad. I want it for you, if that's true. Whether it's a car, like your friends drive, or a house, like your friends have, or a godly man, like your friends have, I want you to have it. Trust me, because I love you. And the church said, Amen. There's the mark. If you love me, you'll keep my what? Commandments. It's not because he loves rules. It's because he loves life and he'd like for you to help yourself to it. Now those are some guardrails to your life, but they're loving guardrails. They'd invite you to love him and to love each other. Greg's going to come and talk to you next week about each other because loving each other is just like loving him. I mean, you love my two girls, Tabitha and Lauren. It's loving me. You know what that feels like as a parent, don't you? You're watching somebody encourage and love on and bless your kid's life and you just feel so blessed. Why is that? Because we have a relationship. They're a part of me and I'm a part of them. And God says, that, 
That, that thing that Jeff was talking about, this bridegroom and bride thing, that relational thing, that's what I'm after. And if you've settled for anything less, you know what? You've settled for less in this world. You really have. Now, God realizes that there's going to be some times in our life when you love Him in a heartless way. There's going to be some times in your, when you love Him in a uh, soul-less way. There's going to be a time when you love Him with a mind-less way. I do that with my wife. I do that with you. I do that with my elders. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry when I try to love you and I try to make it about me more so than I do you and, and I'm heartless and I'm soulless and I'm mindless in the things that I do and I say. But you know what? Even God says, I forgive you. No, maybe first God says, I forgive you. That's what the cross is all about. That's why we've got to get people to know about what this cross is all about. It's not just some churchy thing or some cultish thing. No, no, no. It's a way of life thing. Forgiveness is a way of life. And God says, I'm going to forgive you. You just tell me about it. Tell me you're sorry. And, it, and decide, I, I don't want to have anything more to do with that. As best as, it, as I can, as much as it depends upon me, God, I, I'm going to let that go. God says, man, I love that. Do you know? He says, man, I, woman, I love that. And he does. So you don't have to be perfect, but he does expect you to be passionate about it. He expects you to be personal about it. He expects you to make it a priority because that, that's the mark. That's what it means to love him. Not just loving him on autopilot. Now, are the commandments the only way in which that you love God? No. He's kind of partial to singing. <laughs> There's some scriptures I could give you about it, but you know he loves to sing. He's kind of partial to his word. He loves it when you spend time in it listening to him. So he loves to be sung to. He loves to be listened to. And he also loves to be talked to. You know about prayer. We've done that. We'll do that some more. Those are just some personal things that he just loves. And so he says, would you do that with me and for me and to me with all of your heart, with all your mind and all your soul? And when you're going to do that singing thing, would you do it with your heart, mind, and soul? And when you're going to do that listening thing, would you do it with your heart, mind, and soul? And when you're going to do that obeying thing, would you do that with your heart, mind, and soul? And when you do that loving thing with your neighbor, would you do that with your heart, mind, and soul? I'd be so pleased. Bullseye. It's possible. So... It's nice to know what the mark is and how to hit it. It's just hard sometimes to do it. I'm going to tell you one more illustration in the lesson's yours. I um, was thrilled to hear my daughter's voice on the phone. It was Christmas time, and they had just hit town, and so we were just like two five-year-olds looking forward to when we could be six-year-olds and go to our first day of school. I mean, we were giddy and excited. Our kids were in town. They were stopping at Walmart to get some stocking stuffers and and so we kind of got a little crazy this last Christmas. They were uh, probably a couple of minutes away, so we kind of worked out something. We said, uh, let's do something kind of fun when the kids come to the front door. And so we worked on this. I'm sorry to say we actually rehearsed this. We, the, kind of a silly face like this. It says, we love you. And I'm sorry you had to see that. But we worked on that, okay? Ding dong, we love you. 
And so sure enough, the bell rang ding-dong. We opened it up and said, we love you. And it was the FedEx guy. (laughs) He said, I'm kind of fond of you. Here's your package. You want your love to find the target, don't you? You really do. And what's nice, no, what's, what's amazing is that God has said, I'm not going to play the game about try to figure out how you love me. Here's how you love me. And I'm so grateful he did. And before he, before he said anything to us, He showed us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. The next time I get a chance to talk to you, I'm going to be talking about that last part of our mission statement about living life to the full. That would be absolutely impossible if God didn't offer his life in us first. Father in heaven, we love you. And as we give you praise that you are such a wonderful, merciful Savior, we want you to hear from our hearts, with our soul. We decide with our mind to sing praise to you because you are. And Father, we're we're doing our best to commit to you to live a life on mission, to love you in such a way that that not just that we benefit from it, but the world notices. Father, we notice couples in love. We notice friendships that are real and deep. We want the world to see that on us and in us. And we realize, without you, impossible. So, Spirit, please move in us and among us. Please nudge us, prod us, if need be, set us down. Discipline us. But help us, Father. Love you back because you truly are a wonderful, merciful Savior. In Jesus' name.